Once again, we're glad to have you with us. Those of you that are watching online, thank you for joining us as well. Um, this morning, we are starting a new series um, on a already existing, you, we've talked about this before, but it's been a while. We decided this, uh, this month that we wanted to uh, revisit our mission statement, which is the shine. You see the signs as you come in. Uh, you've seen the logo before, um, but we, this is our mission statement, the, those hopes of who we are. So we're calling the series KFUMC Essentials. Uh, what is it that makes us a church? Who are we aspiring to be? So over the next few weeks, we'll be, uh, we'll be working our way through this. S-H-I-N-E. This morning, we begin with S, which is share the love of Jesus with our neighbor. The most fundamental of concepts is at the heart of our mission statement. You cannot be, there is, it is not possible to be a Christian New Testament church without sharing the love of Jesus. You, you just can't do it. It's, it. You can have all sorts of religion. You can have all sorts of tradition. You can have all sorts of ritual. You can wear hats and dresses and, and light candles and incense. You can jump up and down. You can bow and do all of that. You can drink grape juice and bread and all that kind of stuff. But if we are not sharing the love of God, we are not a Christian church. Now, most of the time when we think about this concept, we immediately go to evangelism, right? Oh, we, well, so you're going to tell us all we got to go tell three people that we, uh, about our testimony for Jesus. Well, there's a place for that, but no, that's not what I'm going to talk about today. Number one, I think, uh, I think we Christians do too much talking already, right? If you think that's uncomfortable, just wait. If that one landed like that, you are about to have a ride this morning. Right? We we do too much talking and without having earned the right to speak into people's lives. Until people know we love them, they don't care what we believe. Until they see it change our lives, they don't want to be burdened with your stupid beliefs either. We, 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 in church, we, we're so worried about different things. We, we sort of judge churches by how good is the preacher, how good is the music, and how good is the coffee. Right? And, and, and we, that, that's where we put all of our energy. And I'll tell you, there are, there's hardly anybody who doesn't go to church that you ask them why they don't go to church and they say, well, they never had good coffee. They never say that. You know why they don't go to church? Because they never felt welcome. They never felt welcome. And, and, and I know, I know, but we're a friendly church. I know, I know. You know, I, I've been to many churches. I've done some consulting and stuff with churches. I have never met a church that told me they were unfriendly. Never. Never met an unfriendly, a self-avowed unfriendly church. I've been to lots of unfriendly churches. The difference is they're friendly with each other. We're friendly with each other, right? We, 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 we get in our little groups and we're so happy to see each other. Forget the fact that somebody else is here and, and they're sitting by themselves, but we're here with our little group and we're 
when I was starting the church in, in, uh, in, in Austin, uh, I had a core team. And as we developed and got ready to launch our ministry, I got them all T-shirts that they had to wear on Sunday, and it said no clumping on it. And I've defined clumping as any time those team members were talking amongst themselves. And by putting t-shirts on them, I could identify them easier. And so when I saw two t-shirts clumping together, I'd go get away from each other and go find somebody new to talk to. Because it is important what we believe. It is important how we follow Jesus. All of that, don't, don't put words in my mouth that aren't there. But if we can't even show people the love and the common courtesy of welcome, they're never going to hear our message. They're never going to hear our message. This morning, we're going to read from Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Now go and remember, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you or a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because, of, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out in the street and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show you we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off in Judgment Day than you. And you people at Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. Then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him. Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And he said, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So in Luke, there's different sections prior to this in the book of Luke. uh, We have a lot of miraculous happening stories. The the point is God, uh, that Jesus is powerful, that he can do amazing things. He's healed people. He has 
fed people. He has cast out demons. Jesus is powerful. Now we move to a section that actually begins in chapter 9 of, and Jesus sends us into ministry as well. At the beginning of chapter 9, he sends the 12 disciples. And they they go and they do their thing. This is now an expansion of that. He now has 72 that he's sending out. We've talked before, there's circles of, of influence that Jesus had in his ministry. He had the sort of inner core of James, John, and Peter. Uh, he took them with him up on the mountain when he went, was transfigured, right? They were sort of the inner core. Then you had the 12 disciples. Then you have this group of 72. There's another place that talks about 144. There was lots of people that followed Jesus. This is, this is a demonstration, though, of how the ministry of Jesus was being diversified out from the core, out into the margins. As we get to the end of the book of Matthew, it's all of us go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. We're all sent in his name. So he he sends them and he gives some instruction to them. Number one, he they're getting the place ready for his visit. They're the advance team, right? He's going to come through all these towns. That's verse 1 and 2. He sent them to the towns of which he was going to visit. It was their job to go and get the name of Jesus bubbling in the town, to, to do the work. So that when they showed up, their, their, their hearts were warmed and they were ready to hear that they had seen some people who knew Jesus and had been so moved by how those people acted that when Jesus showed up, they were gonna, they were gonna be drawn to him, right? Now that's pre-resurrection. In our circumstances, we, it's a little different because the Holy Spirit has been poured out everywhere. And so there's no place we go where God is not, right? He, he's already there. Our job now is not to go bring God to the place. Our job now is to the place, go to the place God already is and get the name of Jesus bubbling so that people around can make the connection that there's a good God in this wicked world. The, our presence amongst the work of God is meant to draw people to God. It's, it's, it's a magnet thing. It's, it's, it's our, our hearts are the way we act, the way we function in the world is a magnet to draw people to God. He sent them two by two. Why? Well, number one, you're less likely to do stupid things with a friend. That's why we get married. right? So you always have that person to tell you what you're doing wrong. Kick you under the table when you say something stupid, right? But there's accountability in the two, right? And it's a reminder that this whole thing we call Christianity, this whole serving Jesus is never meant to be done in isolation. We need each other. We, we need that we need the brotherhood and the sisterhood with each other. So he's, he sends them out and, and he says, don't take anything with you. I don't want you taking a purse. I don't want you taking a, a wallet. I, I don't want you taking your backpack. Don't make hotel reservations. Just go. Just go. Which is amazing. I, I, mean, I think there's a couple reasons for this. Number one, it's a faith statement. 
in order to just go to a place having not knowing what you're going to run into? That's that's hard. That's what my 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 uh, contemporaries are doing. Many of them in new churches right now. They have packed up their families, moved to a home, and are are in a place where they feel like they don't have much. They don't have friends and family and connection, and they are they're doing it by faith, right? It, it takes some faith to go where you're sent, not knowing what's going to happen there. So part of it was a faith statement. Hey, go in obedience to me and trust me along the road that I'm going to, I'm going to take care of you. I, I just lost my train of thought. It, sometimes it just, I'm getting old. He sent them by two. There was two reasons for that. (laughs) Oh, I know. The other, the other reason is that it was going to force them to make new friends. Right? It was going to force them into relationships. I, I guess this resonates with me a little more because being an introvert, I, I, I can live by myself just fine. You know, over pandemic and when shut down and stuff, I was living my best life. <laughs> All these people talking about missing people, and I was like, I'm good. But, right? I'll go to conferences and, and, and these, these pastors will get up and they'll talk about, yeah, I'm flight over, man. I saved 14 people on the airplane. Man, you see me on the airplane, I'm not making eye contact with you. I have my headphones in. I got my book up. I don't, even if we're going down, I'm not looking at you. But Jesus wants us to be in community. He, want, he, he pushes us out of our comfort zone. To go to this place, you are going to have to depend upon the hospitality of other people. In, in order to serve Jesus, we need to be vulnerable. We, we need to be vulnerable. We, we need to be willing to put ourselves in difficult circumstances. Now, I... I this is not just about uh, how we how we obey. This this is this is how all ministry is supposed to be done. It, inside and outside of the church, we we need to be willing to put ourselves in uncomfortable places and situations. Right? We 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 need to be willing to make friends with people that are different than us that don't look like us. This this last week at our executive team, we heard a heartbreaking story. Uh, we, we do a lot of ministry out of Light on the Hill. And out at Light on the Hill, we, we, we make connections with folks. And uh, in fact, uh, one of the things Monica is going to be doing as uh, in her clergy role is she's going to be establishing a worship service called The Table out at Light on the Hill to give them a faith community uh, with the folks that they have uh, created community with, right? And, and one of those folks came to visit our church. And did the hard thing. He drove here. He got out of the car, walked into this place, which the, you church people, you don't get that, but that's intimidating, right? It, 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 this is the rich white church. This is where the affluent people go. 
Look at the cars in our parking lot. They don't look like the cars lined up at right on the hill, right? It, it, it's a hard thing to do. It, it, it's, it's, it's a hard place to, to sort of get yourself. To, he did the hard thing. He came in. He came in. He got coffee. He sat down. He came in here. He came to two worship services two weeks in a row. No one spoke. No one spoke to him. Now I know there's lots of excuses for that. Right? But how can we go make a difference in the world if we can't even do it in our door? If if we're if we are and I know we all got our routines, right? If there's one thing I've learned about Kerrville, you got your routines. All ages. Rush hour, 12 o'clock, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because everyone goes to lunch at, Friday, uh, at 12 o'clock, right? I know we got our, our routines, but we need some no-clumping t-shirts in our congregation. We, we need to be willing to have a conversation with somebody new. The, those of us who have been members here, those of us that are the body of Christ here, we need to have eyes for those that we don't recognize. And I know the worst fear in the world is you're going to go up and say, hey, I haven't met you before. And what's the worst thing? Everybody tells me why they they won't do that. I have already been introduced to them and then I feel stupid. Well, get over it. You are stupid. (laughs) We all are. And any judgment about that, if they're going to judge you about that, they'll have something else to judge somebody out by the time they get out the door. We need to get over ourselves. If if this thing we call the love of God, if this thing we call church, which is about serving Him, if it is as important as we as we profess it is, then is it important enough for us to be welcoming to anyone and everyone that come in our doors? Now I know this is countercultural. I mean, right now we live in some of the most divided times ever. And this is more than just a local church issue. This is a Christian behavior issue. My heart has been broken on social media and what I've watched on TV all week over the the Supreme Court thing. And this isn't about my support or not support of that. So let's not go. This is how the venom in the sides operate. And when, when somebody that proclaims to be Christian spews hate to the other side or the other side spews hate. It, it, it just makes me cringe. Some, somehow along the way, somehow the, 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 the whole church thing became, if you don't think like me, we can't be in relationship. It's an issue that plagues our denomination. Differences over theological beliefs and, and to the point where we can't live with it. We got to divide because how could you possibly be good with that? Well, my answer is I'm good with it because God was good with it. Because guess what? I have some stupid thinking going on in here. And I've done some stupid things in my life. And I've made mistakes and I still make mistakes. And yet the love of God has never left. He loves me no matter what because it's not something I earn. I don't get the love of God because I met, I, I, I was able to check some things off and now I'm worthy. No, 
Jesus checked the things off and he's worthy and he loves me, which makes me worthy. That's what the love of God is about. Part of, I mean, the, the symptom of it is when we have somebody that doesn't look like us that comes to worship with us and we can't even speak to him because he makes us uncomfortable. But it goes farther than that. When, when our belief systems start leaving some folks out, how can we say that we're representing the all-encompassing love of God when we're making a barrier for some folks? I told you you were in for it. I told you we were going there. It's okay. It's, it's, it's good to feel uncomfortable sometimes. Somehow, somehow Jesus did ministry in a way that brought value and love, unconditional love to each and every person without compromising who he was. Hear that? Go home this week and find the, find the story in the gospel of where Jesus came into town, struck up a political rally to take down uh, the political team that he disagreed with or announced who needed to get their act together before the love of God could be in that place. You're not going to find it because that's not the way God plans to change the world. He plans to change the world by love. Now, this passage I read, uh, there's this section. He says, when you receive the hospitality, I want you to, to, to be thankful for it. Number one, you deserve it. God wants those who serve him to have a blessing. You deserve it. But number two, this, this, we read past some of the innuendo in the text because of our culture, right? He says, I want you, I, I, I want you to go without anything. I want you to eat whatever they put out for you. For Jewish folks, your diet was a big deal. This wasn't just, hey, like your mom's saying, clean your plate, right? That it, it wasn't that. This was, you may be in a home that they don't follow the dietary restrictions the way you think they should. And Jesus said, eat it anyway. Eat it anyway. You don't have to agree with that. But you can still be in community and show them love and respect. And yes, I know he says, uh, if, if they don't receive you, then kick the dust off your feet and, and move on. Part of that is, yes, he says, there's a kingdom coming and there will be a judgment and it's on them if they don't accept it. But what he doesn't say is fight with them to make sure that they get it. If they don't want it, that's them. He goes on to say, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And if they're rejecting me, they're rejecting God. So ultimately, it's something for them, but it's not for us to negotiate. Why is it that we have created this culture in which we think we all have the moral obligation to make everyone think the way we do? Aren't you glad you didn't have to sign some political statement before you came to worship today? Now, maybe there is some harmony in what we think, but what maybe not. And whenever we, whenever we start to voice one of those things and make that the policy, we've left a whole group over here out. And the way I read the Bible, this is the group where Jesus spent all of his time. 
And we as the church don't seem to care about that. And I'm talking church big. Don't get, you're not that important. Right? It's, we are called not to fight. It just breaks my heart that the things that go, there are so many issues in our society that there's differing opinions on. And, and if you've not figured this out, a lot of what you believe is how you were raised and, and, and it, it changes and it's shaped by people you know and relationships you are in. And we all have different relationships and experiences and stuff. And to think that all of us are going to come up with this uniform way of thinking in order to have the biblical church, which it's not biblical, that's not who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be, the thing we're united about is everyone deserves the love of God. Everyone. 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 Share the love of Jesus with our neighbor. This isn't the, you know, hey, let's have lunch and I'll tell you about our church so we can grow our church. That's, no, that's not what Jesus' ministry was about. It's his, his mission was to change the world. And the disciples had a taste of it. At the very end of this, they come back and they were like, man, that was so cool. We, we went out in your name. We did what you asked us to do. We put ourselves in uncomfortable positions. We, we shared your love. The devil even responded to us. And Jesus said, you're right. But don't get stuck in the power. Rejoice at your love too. Rejoice that you have a place in the kingdom. The plan God has to change the world is our love. So you know we're His disciples by our love. Sharing the love of God with, with people that we don't agree with. I'm not saying you can't have those opinions. Please don't. You should have a, 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 a formed thought on those, those topics. But just understand there's people in the world that have different thoughts. And we should still be able to worship together and do life together. I, as I come into the Methodist Church, I, I can't, there's a broad understanding of theological concepts in the Methodist Church. There's people on extremes and a lot in the middle. And as I've, there's a lot of my clergy colleagues that I'm at opposite end with them uh, theologically, but. They're also now some of my most treasured friendship. Because somehow, we've been able to work together without compromising what I believe. And not them compromising what they believe, but we've found a way to work together that brings glory to God and brings fruit to the kingdom and where we love one another. This world is in desperate need of that, folks. Yes, we've got the issue of our own church, and it's not about seeing if our church will grow. Growth in a church is a result of if we're obedient to what he wants us to do. If we're obedient to what he wants us to do, the numbers come regardless, right? The Spirit of God is attractive. It's not just about the local church. It's about our, our, our... 
as we go out into the world to do the advanced teamwork so people will recognize Jesus when he shows up, are we getting in the way of that coming or, or, or of that of that visit or are we helping it? What if, what if we, I know it's stupid to even think about, but what if we as a church just, we made love the thing that we stood for? What, what? Some folks have asked me, why don't we have an American flag on, on, on the chancel? It's not because I'm not, uh, because I don't love my country. We, if you, we, we pray for our country all the time. It's not because of that. But we have some folks from other countries that come here. And, and number one, there is a flag out there, so it's on premises, but it's not on the chancel because we're not trying to build the United States of America. We're trying to build the kingdom of heaven. I just want to make sure we're not, we're not confused about which kingdom we're in. told you it was going to be a ride this morning. Diversity. Conflict. You want to see Satan fall from the sky? Go, go, go make some new friends. Start some new relationships. Love somebody that you disagree with. It's actually how God is going to change the world. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to start by saying, uh, if anything that I said this morning, if it, if it isn't ring of your truth, I hope it quickly passes from our minds. But anything that was of truth, would you... Let it sink down into our heart. We so desperately want to make a difference in the world around us. We want to bring we want to bring peace and love to a broken world. And we're not good at it. Our only hope is you. Would you fill us with your spirit and transform us from the inside out? May our thoughts be your thoughts. And our desires and our hope, may they reflect you. Our whole statement is about shining and God, we want you to shine on us in such a way that as we go into the world, we shine amongst the darkness. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.